Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So, yeah, welcome to Insight LA, Long Beach, here at Sacred Roots. Um, we're going to be talking today about a teaching called the Four Dharmas of Gompopa. And I really like this teaching because it is a teaching that encapsulate, encapsulates the entire path in just four phrases. So it's like a big, it's just like a... It's a reminder teaching, just reminding us of what are we doing, why are we doing it, how are we doing it. Um, is it warm in here or is it cold? Is it cold? I know I'm going to get a million answers from that. That was a setup for sure. How many too warm? Raise your hand. How many perfect? Hey, that's pretty darn good. <laughs> it might change, but if it changes, which it will, we'll use the Dharma. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, so this this teaching it's it's very simple and it's which is good. Part of the, it's the path, the simplicity. Yeah, it's very simple. It's repetitive too, which is good and simple. Um, so a little bit about Gampopa, um, also Longchimpa, it says the four dharmas of Gampopa, it could also be um, taught as the four dharmas of Longchimpa, just two figures in, in Tibetan Buddhism. And Gampopa is one of the lineage holders in the, the Kagyu tradition of Tibetan Buddhism. His main teacher was Milarepa, he's a very, very famous saint in Tibetan Buddhism, known for having a very dark past and then transforming that dark past into achieving enlightenment all in a single lifetime. So it's, it's a very prolific saint, this Milarepa. And Gampopa was his main student and carried on that lineage. So what I think I'll do is I'll just start, I'll, I'll, I will read the actual teaching. Again, it's just four phrases. Um, and then we'll talk about them. And sometimes, you know, obviously, this is like the entire path, so we can go on and on and talk about these things. But what I want to use today for is just how we can incorporate this into kind of our daily practice as daily reminders. So we'll just be summarizing everything. So the teachings start, these phrases start with grant your blessing. We don't know exactly who is granting the blessing or who this is like a prayer towards. Um, this could be a prayer towards whatever your affiliation is with your teacher, teachings, um, God, what, whatever your connection is. I like to also think of these as just internal reminders. So it's kind of grant myself <laughs> right? these, this, these blessings because we're the ones that are transforming um, our own minds, right? So the first one is, grant your blessings so that my mind may turn towards the Dharma. The second one, grant your blessing so that Dharma may progress along the path. The third one, grant your blessing so that the path may clarify confusion. And the last one, 
grant your blessing so that confusion may dawn as wisdom. So let's start with the first one. Grant your blessing so that my mind may turn towards the Dharma. So many of you who know me know that I have a favorite teaching. <laughs> and those of you that have been coming to this, the morning sits, we're, we're doing this every at the start of every morning sit, which is this teaching that I'm about to talk about is a foundation of every sadhana, every single practice in, in Tibetan Buddhism. You do these four reminders. And so the first one, grant me the blessing that my mind move towards the Dharma. So we have, they're talking about mind and Dharma. So let's kind of unpack that in the beginning. So this is the part of the mind that has a choice to move towards different things. Yeah, we have awareness and we can move towards different um, um, different reactions to things. We have choice. And then what are we moving towards when we say Dharma? So this, this word Dharma has many, many different translations and different emphasis and whatnot. So here we could use a very simple translation and that's truth. So Dharma means truth. So we, may we move towards truth. And by moving towards truth, may we, may we do that to relieve some suffering. Right? Because the truth shall set, set you free, as they say. <laughs> the truth of our true mind nature, yeah? So how do we do that? How do we move towards truth? Well, we have to move away from what's un, what is unwholesome, yeah? So to move towards Dharma, we have to move away from our, our habits, these certain patterns that we're kind of just kind of going through the motions and maybe not working out so well. So we have to move away from those. So we need to have motivation to practice. This is the first step. The first step of moving towards Dharma, motivation for practice. Does anyone in here remember the four thoughts that turn the mind towards Dharma? The four motivations. somebody knows. Name one of them. Precious human birth. So this is precious life. It's a gratitude practice, right? So waking up to the fact, and I, I say this quite a bit, it's so incredibly important how lucky we are to practice. Just very quick, how lucky are we to be right here, right now? We have that's the teachings, they have some kind of resonating factor with us. Like we live in, in a place that has amazing teachers, amazing teachings to our disposal that talk about inner freedom, that inner freedom is, is, is possible. Just, just even that is so rare. Then to have that resonate with you in some way whatsoever, that's even more rare. Right? <laughs> and then to not only resonate, but have the motivation that oh, I actually want to do that, that's even more rare. To have the causes and conditions set up that if you want to practice, you can practice within the mind-body, that your mind-body is healthy enough to practice, that the environment is suitable for practice, it's even more rare, incredibly rare, this moment that we have. So we contemplate this to motivate, oh, this is so precious, yeah? 
What's the second one? Impermanence. We have this precious gift, but we don't we don't know how much longer we're gonna have this precious gift. Yeah? Impermanence. So we contemplate, wow, how incredibly special it is that I have this moment that I can practice, that I can turn inward, that I can move away from what is suffering. And I can move into what is non-suffering. Incredible, incredible opportunity. What's the third one? Suffering, that's kind of the fourth one. Oh. <laughs> Karma. Karma. Karma means action. I have this precious opportunity. I know it's not lasting. Karma is action. What am I going to do with it? What am I doing? Contemplate. When I go this way, this is the outcome. When I go this way, this is the outcome. <laughs> so we contemplate. What do I want to do with this moment? Fourth one, Dawn alluded to it, call it dukkha. Right? The basic unsatisfactory nature of all external existence. There's no reliable, sustainable happiness outside of ourselves. Constant reminder, there's always a carrot in front of us. When I get this, I'll be happy. When I get this, I'll be happy. When I get this, I'll be content. When I get this, always that carrot, yeah? So the first step of the four dharmas grant me the blessing to t turn the mind towards dharma is we do these motivations, these contemplations and almost moment to moment, you know. It's motivation to practice. That's how, this is the first step of how do we do this? How do we move the mind towards dharma? Moving away like this, moving into motivation. The second method is we have to come into some kind of spiritual self-confidence. We have to have self-confidence, right? We know that one of the major hindrances to a stable mind is doubt. Yeah, this is the most, this is the, the, the one hindrance we really have to pay attention to is doubt. So we have to move into self-confidence. And the self-confidence is that I can change. I can change. Often we feel stuck in a variety of different ways. It could be internally, it could be externally stuck, like in situations in life. Yet, this is the first introduction to self-confidence to our own self-awareness, and an introduction to our own, we call it Buddha nature, could be called many, many different things. It's a part of us that can awaken, and through that awakening, can notice what we're doing, and in that noticing of what we're doing, we can notice what we're doing right and wrong, and then we can move in a different direction. It is because we have the faculty of self-awareness, and it goes back to this precious human birth as part of the grateful con contemplations, is that not every sentient being has self-awareness. Not every sentient being has been blessed with the ability to be conscious of consciousness, to recognize this is what is arising I could choose to go this way or that way. But we have that capability. So no matter how stuck we feel, we do have the choice to either follow that suffering thought or to relieve ourselves from that suffering. So these are two ways. 
that we can move our mind towards the Dharma. And this is why I just kind of reiterate this, grant your blessing. Like, I kind of like to point it on myself. Grant myself the blessing <laughs> to do these practices, to, to get the motivation, right? And to have that self-confidence. All right, so the second one. Grant your blessings so that Dharma may progress along the path. What do we mean by this? <clears throat> so this is saying, grant your blessings so the Dharma sticks. Right? So it flourishes. It becomes part of my daily life, my daily existence. difficult because <clears throat> when life is going good, and this works kind of in both ways, when life is going good, we don't need the Dharma. We have a good samsara, not a lot of motivation to practice a lot of times. Yeah, And this is when it's really a good time to practice because we have good conditions. Yeah, <laughs> But when we have good conditions, we lack motivation. When we have conditions that are more suffering, either it's difficult to access the teachings because we're kind of in gross delusion, or life is just so busy that it gets set aside. So this, this second contemplation is, may the Dharma at least be on par, attention-wise, the rest of our life. So it seems as though <clears throat> a lot of times the Dharma does, or a practice, you know, the, the Dharma could be the meditation, it could be opening your heart, it could be whatever is wholesome in your spiritual practice. Where does it fit priority wise? You know, we've all said it. I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to this. I mean, this is what's beautiful about all of us coming here, is that we prioritized it. You know, why well, had to? But <laughs> you all prioritized it. I couldn't blow it off. Um, but that says something. It says something very very powerful in the stage of the practice is that we have a lot of opportunity and this is what this is saying is that we have I mean look at where we live we could all be at the beach we could all be you know bike riding down the bike path and playing volleyball and like whatever I mean there's so many opportunities here it's a beautiful day it's a beautiful summer day and you know it's interesting to note like not today but attendance usually does drop during summer winter, not as much to do, people come. So it's may, may it stick. So how do we do this, this consistency? And I'm kind of alluding to it, but just to put these terms on it. One is, how do we do this? Taking refuge in bodhicitta, these two things. These two things help out with making the practice more consistent. So taking refuge, very simply, so we can, we're not gonna go 
really deep into that, what's this mean? Taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. So usually we take refuge in things that are temporary, they're external, they're fleeting, they're somehow manipulating the moment to make it seem better for now. Yeah? So we take refuge in, in Netflix, in desserts, in these, these little things. Yeah? Especially when things get tough. What are we taking refuge in? So this is very simple. What, this is what we take refuge in non-grasping mind. Right? We take refuge in loving-kindness. We actually, instead of going outward, we go inward. This is how it sticks. So just uh, an, an example. Um, I, I must have did something at the gym yesterday and I treated my back a little bit, so I woke up today with a sore back, right? So as that, that thought is arising, Oh, I, I hurt my back. One of the first things I noticed is the, the mind catastrophizing. Oh, how bad that I hurt my back. <laughs> When's it going to go away? You know, oh, am I going to go see a chiropractor? Whatever, right? So catastrophizing mind arises. And also, too, I could kind of talk that away. I could just use the intellect and just say, oh, you know, it's probably going to be okay, da da da, this and that, right? So, or I could just be with the sensation arising in my back. So, what do we mean by like Buddha nature? What do we mean by you know, clarity of mind and all this stuff? It's just seeing things exactly as they are. What's Dharma? Truth, right? What's the truth? The truth is I have a sensation in my back. I'm taking refuge. I'm taking refuge in that in what is real. What is real? Sensation in my back. Everything else is unknown. Even talking myself into this might be okay is taking refuge in some kind of manipulation of the moment. I don't even need to manipulate the moment to be free. The moment is free upon arising. It's free just as it is. If I see it as it is, sensation arising. Our liberation comes from being able to be free from hook, being hooked by those suffering thoughts. Right? This is the, the liberation part. So we practice taking refuge time and time again in our Buddha nature that is just the pure awareness that notices sensation arising. This is the first way we take refuge. Take refuge in the Buddha, Buddha nature. Take refuge in the Dharma is the second way, which is the truth. The truth that this is it. Right? We take refuge in the Sangha, which is all of us, the spiritual community. And of course, we are, we are our own spiritual community, inwardly. What would our spiritual community say? Be with what is as it is. So, another way that we can move into this Dharma sticky 
is through the practice of bodhicitta, bodhicitta practices. So this is the heart practices. But it's interesting to always note bodhi awakened, awakened chitta mind. Awakened mind. So we free our mind, our heart, mind is all the same, you know. And so through this practice already, we've already contemplated our own strategies that are not working, like taking refuge, right? When I said move away from you know, the patterns that are not working for us, this is the first thing that we need to do, and then we cultivate the wholesome, letting go the unwholesome, cultivating the wholesome. So we can contemplate this, like, you know, my strategies have not been working, and I'm suffering. And then a lot of our, a lot of our suffering is also due to maybe others um, suffering, maybe acting out. Has anyone ever suffered from somebody else acting out of their own, of their suffering? Anybody? <laughs> so bodhicitta is this practice of. I know that I suffer, and then I, I know that, that other people, their, their strategies are probably not working either, you know? They're probably not allowing to be what is just as it is, They're not able to take refuge in the vast mind, but getting, getting caught in their emotions, they're probably getting caught in their thoughts. And it doesn't take long to have, once we do a little contemplation on interdependence, and we're so interdependent on each other, that is this notion that I'm not free until all beings are free. And there's, there's a truth to that, because we're all in this together. Yeah. And that's a little more far-reaching. I think it's very difficult. We could say it's very difficult to know that in the moment. I mean, that we're all together and all this stuff, but when you see somebody suffering or you see somebody angry and you know that you've been there before and you're looking at your own suffering very intimately and you're showing yourself compassion and your self-kindness and you see how difficult it is to overthrow your own negative emotions and you're like in the struggle of that then when others are doing the same, this compassion is more innate. Yeah, it could arise more freely. And again, this practice is moment to moment. So moment to moment, not grasping. Moment to moment, compassion, loving kindness, rejoicing in the happiness of others. Service, these things. So when we could do this in the moment instead of our own, again, old patterns, old pattern would be like, I'm just gonna react to you. You don't like me, I don't like you. <laughs> and then nobody likes anybody and we're all upset. <laughs> <laughs> so we could do that. But the contemplation is, is that that's just not working. May my mind toward, move towards the Dharma to freedom. You know, it's kind of like a like a tennis match, you know? Somebody hits a ball your way, 
you don't have to hit it back. <laughs> you know? But we do, and the game keeps playing back and forth, back and forth. Until we start having compassion. And it goes with ourselves too. Yeah, I call it the greatest hits. Like we go into meditation and our thoughts start. <laughs> all the greatest hits, you know, of all of that. The, the shame, the guilt, the... And it could be desire mind too, craving. It could be our fantasies. We get caught. Lots of different, different things. Okay. So the third one, grant your blessings so that the path may clarify confusion. Grant your blessings so that the path may clarify confusion. So this is this is moving into the ripening, you know, the ripening of our practice. You know, may I be blessed that this is actually working. So contrary to popular belief, meditation in the practice is not to attain some blissful state. That's not, is it working? Are we attaining some blissful state in meditation? A blissful state is impermanent. We're not looking for another impermanent thing. We're not looking for another mind state. We're looking to, for the ability to be with any mind state in equanimity, no matter what is arising. But most of all, a sign of progress is how kind are we being? In my actual research yesterday, I found this YouTube clip of this somebody was, um, it's not a Buddhist teacher anyway, it's just that this, this somebody who was um, highly publicized as a thought leader a certain subject and had a lot of academic accolades and all these things and the first thing I noticed within the first 30 seconds as he was in debate with a college student was he was very unkind and I thought I don't care what's next I don't care how smart you are or what your thoughts are about certain things you're not kind so if you're this you know he himself a college professor and you're talking to somebody who's 20-something years old. First, show respect and kindness, number one. And then everything else, then I'll listen. <laughs> but it's like this. It's like when we're looking for signposts on the path. The first thing is that, are we more kind to ourselves and others? And the second thing, and this is important because it's a little bit more difficult to, to, to see for ourselves, is that is the frequency and intensity of our suffering, is it lessening? Because, yes, do we still get thrown off, of course. You know, this could just be like, yeah, of course I still get irritated, this and this and that, yeah. But is it happening less and less intense. I've told this story before when I was a kid. My first job was at Round Table Pizza and uh, my brother was my manager. And somebody called in sick. 
and my and my brother told me that I had to go into work that day. And I was so pissed off because I wanted to just play my guitar. So I wanted to. And I took the chair. I remember standing up and I was playing my guitar. I put my guitar down and I stood up and I took the chair and I threw it. And it flipped and it stuck in the wall. It stuck right out of the wall. Wow. And, um, and my dad came in and he opened the door because he heard that big smash. And he looked at me and said, you're going to fix that. <laughs> like, you're going to fix the wall. That's all he said. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I, I don't get that upset anymore. <laughs> so that's a signpost. Like, if that happens now, I feel like, that sucks. Or you get a cushion next week, no chair for you. What's that? You get a cushion next week, no, no chair. <laughs> no chairs for me. <laughs> you know, but it is things like this. I think we have maybe some perfectionism and, you know, very lofty goals and whatnot. But, you know, to really take some inventory and, and check in. How am I with my kindness? And what's the frequency and intensity? Can I de-escalate? How's my self-awareness, this emotional de-escalation? It's not like they're not there. We're not responsible for thoughts arising. We're not responsible for emotion arising. They come from nowhere. Where do our thoughts come from? Don't know. I didn't order a thought of anger the other day. You know, you might place an, an order on Amazon. You know, can I be angry on Tuesday? It just <laughs> overnight anger. Um, but it arises. But then, then once it arises, this is when we go to work. This is where we go, when we go to work. Do I need? Do I follow this? Can I let this pass? By, in that spaciousness, can I choose something different? Can I choose something more kind? Can I choose a different way to go? Can I habituate that new way to go? This is what we're working on. <coughs> so it's more of looking at when, when the conscious patterning, another way to say that is when this conscious patterning replaces the unconscious. So most of the time we're just asleep, going on unconscious patterns of the, our own, our old habits. And then when we wake up, we have more conscious patterns. Of, this is really what, really what I want to do. What's more wise and more compassionate? So this is the more um, consistent awakening of that. And then the fourth one. I'm so proud of myself that I've actually gotten through these. I thought, I thought for sure I was going to get like two done and that's it. Um, but on to the last one. Grant your blessings so that confusion may dawn as wisdom. So this is really just the fruition of the third one, which is the fruition of the entire path. So the third one again, grant your blessings so that the path may clarify confusion. And then grant your blessings so that confusion may dawn as wisdom to so the next step. Right, so he's continuing on that that clarification into wisdom. So this this dawning of wisdom, very simply put, is when the mind is no longer lost in thought. 
It's very quite simple. There's only one way to suffer, and that is to believe a suffering thought. There's only one way to suffer, and that is to believe a suffering thought. And again, you know, we're, not, we're not talking about pain here. We're talking about the suffering part. If I believed that the suffering thought that my back was going to hurt for the next week or two, as it has in the past, right? If I were to believe that thought, suffering. If I were to stay with what is, the truth, the Dharma, waking up to sensation is arising, the very foundations of mindfulness, right? Emotion arising, body sensation arising, and staying with the truth of this. There's no suffering in that. Sensation in the body, there's no suffering in that. So when we're able to have a continuity of not following, not getting getting stuck in these negative mind states, wisdom arises. Now this is a whole other thing that's very difficult to say out loud. I was talking to an, a friend who doesn't meditate, not a meditator. He's like, I don't understand meditation. I don't get it. I said, yeah, I know. It's hard. To get, he's like, so I hear he like it relaxes you. You start naming these things like life things. You can be more calm. This and that. I said, well, yeah, but it's really not about this change of life. It is, what am I when I'm not stuck in thoughts? So, like, if we look outward, which I like a a whiteboard right now. If we we look outward, think of like, you look outward, there's like this much to look at. There's just like this little, it's finite little movie screen. Let's say if you look out, you look out. If you look out, you're looking at a movie screen. If you look back, it's infinite. There's infinite discovery back here, right? Yeah. You look this way, so it's one dimensional. It's empty, literally empty of inherent existence, right? We can go into this, but we look out, there's nothing, there's nothing here. We're grasping the things that are already gone. But all of this is pointing inward, right? We look outward, we, we're in samsara, we look inward, we're in nirvana. All of this is pointing inward. What are we when we're not grabbing those thoughts is the magic, it's the unspeakable. We're just, this is just phase, this is just phase one. This is just getting us to be free. This is just getting us free from our habitual thinking. This is, this is nothing yet. Nothing's actually here yet. This is just getting out of habitual thinking. Now what? What does, what does meditation get us? The ability to choose what you want to think about and what you want to let go. And the second thing is to know yourself. To know who you really are. So the four, the four dharmas get us right to the point of now you can really know who you are. Because we don't look. We don't look at who we are. We look at thoughts, emotions, and body sensations, and our attention goes to thoughts, emotions, and body sensations, and then that thought, emotion, or body sensation fades away, we go to the next one. And then after we go away from the next one, we're caught, 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 caught. So we're caught in this one like little layer of our awareness goes this one little layer 
it never goes back, rarely. And even if it goes back because our concentration is, is so poor, even when it goes back, it only stays there for about 10 seconds, 20 seconds. It doesn't rest there for any length of time. This is why in the morning meditations, we go you know, going over the four thoughts, look for the mind towards Dharma, and then we do concentration practices, like 12 minutes of pure concentration. Three minutes on, one minute off, three minutes on, one minute off. You've got to break through that concentration barrier. It's like opening up a door into a whole new universe, looking, shutting the door. <laughs> and then say, ah, I didn't see much. Uh, I, I, didn't, I don't know. They say there's something over there, but I've tried it. But even in a half an hour meditation like we did, in a half an hour meditation, how often are we actually on an object? How often are we not caught in thought in a half an hour? And using wakefulness, using awareness, oh, this Bowie mind, in that half an hour, how many seconds are we actually there? It's tough, right? It's hard. But these practices are so important because they're getting us to the point of making it a, a daily, moment-to-moment practice. Formal practice is very difficult, but that's okay. Because actually, great reminder, you know, that our mind is naturally non-grasping. When we're at sleep, our, our, our hand is at rest. You need to actually, it takes energy to, grab, to, to make a fist, correct? Your mind is naturally at rest. It has habituated itself like a Venus flytrap to grab thoughts over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's habituated that. But it's not the true nature of mind to do that. And so when it looks very difficult, it's always a constant reminder. It's not linear. My mind is autumn is naturally naturally relaxed. Alright, so let's do, let's do a little practice together. Do you have a question? Yeah, yeah, for the remedial section here. <laughs> what, what, what are the four things again? The There's four... Blessing that I mean, yeah, turn I, towards the truth. Yeah. Blessing that my mind towards, turns towards the Dharma. Blessing that the Dharma may progress along the path. Okay. Yeah. Blessing that the path may clarify confusion. And blessings that the confusion transforms to wisdom. Yeah. And I could post them on the Facebook and put them in the newsletter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. And we have the recording. And we'll do a Q&A, too. I'm just going to do a little meditation first. I just want to do a little bit of... How does this look in moment-to-moment in -moment practice, right? So allowing your eyes to close. This short little meditation. allowing to come to mind 
time when you experience kindness or compassion. Maybe you're on the receiving end or the giving end of kindness and compassion or compassion. Feel this in the body, your heart center. This is the center of your being where you feel nurturing, caring arise. And just to see if you can meet something in your life with this loving energy or attitude or openness. What I mean by that is maybe somebody in your life you're having a bit of conflict with. Again, we're doing this practice. Don't take something too large. We're just practicing. Maybe something in the moment, a sore knee, one of those suffering thoughts that I was talking about. See if you can meet this something with kindness. emanating kindness with openness, open mind, open heart. Softness, tenderness.
four minutes or something. He was dead. I don't have time for about that much. Is that, and you don't need to answer this, maybe internally, but if you felt even an inkling of, of transforming, like this alchemy, of anything transformative, either from the moment of where you were before you started and the moment you started introducing loving kindness into your mind stream, did anything shift? Did anything change? Even the intention, maybe you didn't feel warm and fuzzies and you know, rainbows and unicorns, but just that that first release into loving kindness, even the intention of moving towards loving kindness, was there any transformation there in the mind? Then when you when you thought of something to to send loving kindness towards, was there any kind of shift, anything? And again, you don't need to answer out loud. It's just that to pay attention to this. And to pay attention that if there was, even for the slightest moment, any kind of shift in a positive way, we didn't do anything. Nothing out there. No ice cream involved. Like, you know, it was an inner something. It was inside of ourselves. Like if you felt something. So it's that simple. It's that simple. It's as simple as letting the sensation be its own sensation and opening our heart, which is opening our mind, right, to other suffering and to, f to feel that. That's it. But what if we habituated that? What if that was like our constant, like when things came in, we met it with that openness and with that heart? What then? What if that was our norm? Yeah? Things came in and we met it like this. What would that feel like? That's that fruition, that's the last one. That's this transforming confusion, confusion of dissonance, confusion of separate separateness, confusion of, of subject-object, confusion of me, mine, and you, confusion of the other, like how do you treat others? There is no other. They ask Ramana, how do you treat others? There's no other. Yeah? So from delusion, ignorance, into the truth of what is. Alright, so we have a few minutes. If you want to do a little, um, any questions, insights, um, shares, always for to create a safe space where we stay with the pronoun I. <laughs> Yeah, so if somebody shares and you want to add to that, just stay within your, you, within your own experience. Yeah. Dawn? Mm -hmm. Sorry, I saw Dawn. Okay. Yeah, let's see. Um, so, this question has to do with sort of how quickly there's a thought that leads to another thought. Um, so I'm going through a career transition, so you know. Um, but, you know, it's, whew, it's quite the journey and brings up, you know, okay, didn't get that job. Like, so there's rejection, which I've been trying to think of another word, because it's like, well, it's just not the right fit, you know, but that's also sort of trying to manipulate what it is, I think, which is just that. Mm -hmm. 
And so not to go to, so I, I do find that I'm either manipulating, making it better or okay in some way with my thoughts, or <clears throat> I didn't realize that until today, or um, going to a place of, which is more damaging, like, well, what if, why not me? And then, you know, sometimes even deeper, this sort of devolving of thoughts, and so, <clears throat> Hmm. So I guess what it is is, I mean, now I have this aware, more awareness from the discussion today, but you know, it's like how to catch. I, I sort of know the answer, but to sort of how to catch that first thought, because once that, or maybe it's like I guess what I do with that first thought, because you know, there's like that sort of habituation, I think. Mm -hmm. So first of all, we could all relate to Dawn. <laughs> we all do this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that habit, you know, it's that habit of getting hooked, you know, this habit of, of for one's the habit of, of thinking of self as this self thing, and the self could be like, it can knock at things and have things added to it and, and whatnot. And it's this habit of, instead of the truth, going back to the truth, I didn't get the job. That's it. Feelings arising, <laughs> sadness arising, and even not, you know, this, this something, not even sadness, this imputation of, you know, it's like this, I think of the job, it's like this, this sensation's like this, this emotion's like this, tears falling from faces like this, you know, watching the magic of this, ma this magic happening without anything, watching it all, not pushing anything away, not not needing anything to go away. You know, this is like this. Yeah. Yeah. Just feeling it all. And not to say that there's not any kind of, you know, reflection or thinking in this world, but it's aware, it's, it's, it's thoughtful. You know, even that is with awareness. Because we, we do have to think at some point. Yeah? <laughs> but we do so consciously. It's conscious thinking too. It's not just getting hooked. It's like, Okay, I really have to figure out what job I'm going to apply for, consciously, you know, with kindness, and then, yeah, <coughs> you know. Um, Sue first. You know. Well, just real quickly, I want to thank you for the lesson, on, uh, the teaching on uh, that hook and the habitual response. It, was, it reminded me, back when I started uh, this whole learning process, that was one of the first lessons that was like, oh my gosh. Like biggest aha ever. It was seriously kind of life changing in a way. <laughs> but then I thought when he went on, he's like, "What? Well, it's not like I don't ever do that anymore." But it has lessened, and I think I hadn't given myself like credit or even having that thought that. But comparatively speaking, I don't hook in so much anymore. So it's very good, like start to finish kind of. So thank you. It's very nice. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mark. Um, for, for me, I, I, mean, I don't know, but it, when we do any of the meditation, I don't treat myself real well sometimes. I, I, I will, this internal dialogue that you're an idiot, but I, you know what I mean? And, and during this, during this meditation, that's where the, the, I, 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 I felt compassion for myself. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it was a kind of big 
feeling. And I was like, I was surprised. It was like, wow. And I know that if I'm compassionate towards me, that, uh, that will spread to others. If I'm twisted about me, I, I got no choice but to spread that around too. So it, it, was, it, was, it was pretty powerful. Uh, you know, I want to thank you. It was, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect any kind of a shift or any kind of, I mean, it was like, it was pretty powerful. Wonderful. Thank you. And, Thank you. And yeah, remember that's that's all you. Yeah, exactly. All it, it is nothing to do with any. No. It's about the way that I talk yeah. and treat me. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. how many can relate to that? How many of us have negative self-talk? I know I do. I still see it. You know. Um, listening to what Don said reminds me of a writing process that I do through the uh, program program called Beat the Odds on Beach Memorial it's for people who have dealt with cancer. And there's three columns that you create in writing. One of them is emotional pain. The next one is the unhealthy thought. And the next one is thoughts that could replace that thought. So it's, it's an interesting process. It seems to help me quite a bit um, in times when I'm dealing with, you know, chatter or, um, you, know, you know, feelings of rejection. Oh, so no. I wanted to share that. And just to follow up both on what Don and Rick are talking about with this, you know, looking for some other opportunities in our work, our life's work. I, you were talking in step three and step four about, you know, in situations I've had where I haven't been offered a position that sounds like a dream job to me or sounds like the perfect thing, um, there's sort of that hook of what do I need to do now? What, what do I need to add to my life? What do I need? What more skill? And I think the, the discussion of the path of do I need to add more to this path or do I need the wisdom to sort of let things go and sort of let this path clear a little more instead of feeling I have to grasp on to, to add more, add more, add more skill, add more this to understand my path more. That sometimes letting go and letting things clear, letting the mind clear, letting letting some of these 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 thoughts clear gives me a little more wisdom to help with that fourth that, that wonderful, yeah. magical fourth step and what you're talking about today. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, and that just helps me to, to look more into, it's a frenzy that I feel. What skills? A frenzy, that's what it is. Oh, let me go to this 48-hour training mm -hmm. and I have, to, I have to add on the skills because I'm leaving this job and in order for, to make myself marketable, and it's this frenzy. I know this stuff, but let me take this class and let me do this and let me do that. And I feel like this, this swirling, and I, I need to stop and just let it be. Because I know in here, and it's having the ability to watch it, to just observe and watch it unfold is really hard. <laughs> but I think that's what I heard this morning. Yeah. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you all so much. Thank you. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. 
For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.